Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Boeing shielding the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo will for you come Coming at you with stats and things, flapping their wings. You can't live up to expectations, so just do your best. (laughs) That's what I tell myself in most life endeavors. (laughs) Just go with what you saw today. Change your opinion daily. Yeah, I'm all about that. You'll be wrong often, but then you can just point back to when you were right. No one will remember. No one's listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends, Tuesday evening. I am not... In my basement, we've had some technical difficulties. I have moved to the treacherous living room. The good news is I am uh, alone on daddy daycare this week, so I will not be waking up anybody in the house other than Casey, and Casey is as sound a sleeper as it gets. On the other line, Sheil in his basement. I'm very excited that we could have a, uh, a little guy wake up. I mean, I hope that doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. Then, uh, then I'll be in even more hot water. But it did happen once, right? And I thought that was a very exciting moment in Birds with Friends history. That was, although I was in the basement that time, so it worked out. It, okay. that, that one was not uh, all my fault. Okay. Still a little bit my fault. Uh, so, it is. What else but the start of Nolens Week? Are you very excited? It's crazy. It's crazy that this team is two wins away from potentially getting to the Super Bowl. It's crazy that we have a, another trip to make, that we're getting a second playoff game to cover. It is all very unexpected. We're lucky that we have a nice nice city to go to. It is a great atmosphere down there for game day. So, uh, yeah, of course I'm excited. Can you hear it in my voice? Yeah, I'm not sure how capable you are of the emotion of excitement, but as, as much as you are. You're 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 uh, letting it out. You're emitting it. Well, I just crushed some cantaloupe here, so my uh, my tummy is full. It was actually pre-sliced cantaloupe. I don't know how you feel about buying pre-sliced fruit. So let's go a little bit uh, behind the scenes here. When okay. we first started to record this podcast, <laughs> you went with the pre-sliced fruit bit off the top. That was your yeah. first thing. You said, "How do you feel about a pre-sliced fruit?" And then yeah. when we recorded this time, you said. Uh, I don't think I'm going to do the pre-sliced cantaloupe off the top. It'll feel forced. But you felt like that wasn't forced? Let's go behind. No. Let's go inside football here. No, because I just looked at the cantaloupe, and I was feeling full, and it came to me. So I went with it. Okay. Uh, as we got cut off five, ten seconds into the uh, the initial recording, I was going to say that uh, I feel like pre-sliced fruit is really only best uh, as an option for, like, uh, if you're traveling and looking for, like, a healthy snack for a, for a, a young one or, or even yourself. But uh, maybe you have other opinions. So do you never eat pineapple or cantaloupe? Uh, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. A mango? You know how to slice a mango? Well, I, certainly not like Miss Mama Capadia does. Okay, so yeah, I guess there, there are certain. I guess there are certain types of fruits. You felt like you, it sounded like you had a strong take on pre sliced No, I mean, it's a complete waste of money. If my parents found out I was doing this, they would be mm. incredibly disappointed. But you know what? Sometimes I feel like a pre sliced cantaloupe. All right, let's can get they, to the. Can they do a pineapple? My parents? Yeah. There's no fruit that they can't slice. Wow. They could, 
they could do the bird box challenge. I don't know if you've seen those videos. I have not seen them. Uh, with any type of fruit. Wow. Any type of knife. They don't, they don't even need the big knife. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to ask them to do that. It's kind of it seems kind of dangerous and silly, but no. But I'd like I'd like to I'd like to see them with without the blindfold. I'd like to see them just doing it naturally once. I've been telling my mom for years we need to record a series of YouTube videos of her cutting fruit. <laughs> I, I think I think they would go viral. I'm very excited. I would I would I would be uh, I would I would uh, support that Patreon. Okay, maybe this off season. Okay. All right, coming up on the show, we will talk a little bit about. Uh, Talking to the coordinators today, a bit of a uh, first impressions of this Saints matchup. We will save our sparrow focus. I think neither of us has uh, had a chance to dive all the way in uh, on this matchup, although certainly we are familiar with the the Saints, having talked about them earlier this season. And then we have uh, lots of questions in getting a burden edgewise. But uh, I do want to start. Oh, we also have your uh, your coach rules for hiring a head coach, which we can talk about. Uh, but let's start you with a uh, with a, a Peckness migrate for you, okay? Start with a Peckness migrate, yes. okay? Uh, these three storylines tell me how you would Peckness migrate them. One is that I don't know if you know this, but Nick Foles and Drew Brees attended the same high school in Austin, Texas. I do know that. Yes. Number two is. The praise that uh, has come out the last two days from Doug Peterson and Mike Groh for Joe Ostman's ability in practice to mirror okay. uh, J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, and all the greats. And then the last one is, uh, why isn't Josh Adams playing anymore? He played one snap on Sunday. Pat can migrate those three storylines for this week for me, please. I will. I want to migrate two of them, but I can't do that, right? You cannot. That's that's okay. literally the point of the game. All right. Uh, I will take a. I will migrate the Foles Breeze one. Okay, so that means we that means we will not discuss it the rest of the week, unless somebody has a good angle. You know, if somebody finds a nice way to write about it that I haven't heard about before, I will be willing to listen. Otherwise, because it is weird, you know, imagine playing somebody so late in your career that went to your high school. That would be a little strange, but it's been done before. It is strange. They also have already played in the playoffs against each other. Correct. Correct. Josh Adams, I'll take a peck. Okay, that means means we'll discuss it right now for a a brief uh, moment. I mean, I just don't feel like there's a mystery. Like, I don't, you know, it seems like people are digging, like, wow, how could this be? I mean, you have... I mean, Four he's not good, now, and and he hasn't played well. And he, he hasn't played well. He fum- he ha- he has a propensity to fumble, and they're playing teams that are good at run defense. Like, right? You know, why should he get the ball? And he can't catch the ball, and he can't pass protect. So why should he get on the field? I think that's pretty simple. He had a nice little stretch earlier in the season, but whether it's regression to the mean or injury or whatever. He just hasn't looked good. So he does not give you your best chance to win right now. That seems pretty obvious. And I will nest the Joel. What is it? It's Joel Joe. Osteen. There's a, <laughs> uh, Joe, Joe Ostman, Joe Ostman or Ostman. Impossible to know. I mean, what I, I'm sure you thought like I did, this is the new Steven means. It sounds like, of course, but he does. I don't think he's going to be as entertaining as even Steven me. Means. Uh, no, I, I, how could he be? 
and it does ruin. I I, I did at one point want to ask Lane Johnson about uh, whether his struggles this year were because there was no Stephen Means. But early in the year, don't get on Lane Johnson's bad side. Well, that's a good point. Early in the year, he's been fantastic. The last uh, who knows six weeks, eight weeks. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad storyline. I, I actually am somewhat interested in those types of things. The I like when – I mean, did you see Mike Gross' face when he got asked about well, you he know, smiled like that all year. I'm going to tell you why I think what I think is going on here. Okay. This, is, this is my read behind the scenes. The way that it came about on Monday was completely out of the blue. And I, it Doug seemed Peterson to me – Doug Peterson mentioned it in his press conference. Doug yes. Peterson mentioned it in his press conference. And I, it was almost as if – it was almost as if it was a game. Like someone was like, I dare you, I dare you to mention Joe Osman in a press Ooh, conference like this. this week. And I and then the smile on Micro's face makes me think that it like it really is. Like like maybe they were like, Look at this. I I bet we can get the media to write a Joe Osman story this week. And Joe mm-hmm. and, and Doug planted it on Monday and the smile on Micro's face on Tuesday was he and then he goes, he goes, I'm glad you asked me about Joe. It was funny. You're right. It was very weird. So, so you think maybe like this was an internal bet, and Deuce Daly's going to have to buy the whole staff pasta fisios this week or something? That's my con- that's my more conspiracy than three theory. Three stories written about Joe Osman. That's my conspiracy theory. Yes, it's a fantastic. Theory. I think it's possible that it was organic, but uh, I like my theory better. I do too. Okay. One day we'll find out. Okay. Uh, what what uh, tangible from the coordinators jumped out to you? Well, why don't we combine this with what I noticed from watching the All-22? Does that work for you? No, I, I don't like that at all. You don't like that? No, of course. That's totally fine. Okay. I don't Who have... knows with you? You're a weirdo. I don't know. Uh, I talked to my brother, and uh, and he, he wanted to take you to task or to take me to task <laughs> for not defending uh, my friends when you when – you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you said something about my friends. He said, uh, uh, "He said one of his favorite things about me is my friends." Well, so. th- that's ki- that's kind of what I was intimating. I said I very much liked your friends that I've met so far, and I feel like that doesn't jive. I, I would I would think that you would have some weird friends who I wouldn't <laughs> like. That that was the point. Oh, okay, so I agree with them. Yeah, yeah. He he says you should. He said we should we should set up a uh, friend group versus friend group competition or something like that. that. Oh, that sounds fun. Okay. okay. So the big thing that stood out from Washington and I did tell I also did tell my friend in Chicago that it was appropriate that the weekend in Chicago for me started with uh, big hands and ended with big hands. There you go, Trayvon Hester. Okay, go ahead. The big thing that stood out was how they game planned for Khalil Mack and watching the game live. We didn't know, you know, we we thought Khalil Mack hasn't done anything. All game, I think he had, what, two quarterback hits, and that was just about it. Was Jason Peters shutting him down? Was Lane Johnson shutting him down? Was it something else? And I really felt like this was a game plan, coaching, scheme, team effort, more so than just those tackles saying, bring it on and Interesting. we're, we're going to beat you one-on-one. That was my takeaway. Um, and so how did, did they do that? Well, they did a lot of really good things. I mean, the the one we've talked about for the last four weeks is Nick Foles getting rid of the football mm-hmm. very quickly. I think the average was 2.44 seconds. He had uh, 12 throws of two seconds or less. He had 34, fewer. 
fewer. Thirty-four. Although throws. I guess, uh, I guess you can. No, make a that's case. less. I think that's less. Three seconds or less. Because if we're getting into, if we're getting into, like in between one and two seconds, was, was Mike D'Antoni's book seven seconds or fewer? I think it, yeah, because I think if you're getting into, uh, oh, this feels so good. Margins. Well, oh, I love this. I'm not so sure. You just got schooled on your own. No, I don't less. think that's right. Oh, baby, this it, is I sweet. think seconds goes Let's both end ways. Let's the podcast. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, and as always, we love you. Oh, uh, so you think it should be fewer, or you think it should be less, or either? I think I'm too tired to know the difference right now. Oh, baby, I love it. Um, favorite, early, early favorite for pot, best podcast moment of 2019, right there. Okay, anyway. it's not winning an Osprey. What do you think we should do with the Ospreys? Do we save until the know. season itself is yeah. over? Save until the season's over. Okay. Thirty. If the Eagles make the Super Bowl. We will do them the week between the Super Bowl. Boy, this is tough to get this point out. I, that's really, <laughs> really what I'm going for. Thirty-four throws. <laughs> Under three seconds. So he was once again getting rid of the football very quickly. That's number one. Uh, Number two, how many screens did they run? I mean, I I don't have the total, but you had, I think, at least three running back screens, a tight end screen, and I think I want to say two wide receiver screens. So that's six screens. Obviously, Mm -hmm. that's going to help against an aggressive pass rush. They slid Jason Kelsey over, and uh, I'm going to have this in the All-22 breakdown that I'll post probably sometime Wednesday on theathletic.com slash Philly. If you're not a subscriber, theathletic.com slash WIP gets you 30% off and a seven-day free trial. But they were doing some interesting things. Jeff Schwartz was pointing out in terms of sliding Kelsey over to the side of Khalil Mack at times where the Bears did not expect it. And so that certainly helped when they were running some stunts With Khalil Mack, they kind of had this center just there to help out, and that worked out very well for them as well. So those were some of the things that stood out for me. They did chip at times with tight ends, with running backs. So it was kind of like a combination of all those different things. And then there were times where they had to block him one-on-one, and they held up pretty well for the most part doing that. Jason Peters gave up uh, one hit, I think it was. But I think it was a combination of all those different things and a very, very good job by Doug Peterson, Jeff Stoutland, the entire coaching staff. You can just tell that they sat down, you know, the initial moments of putting together this game plan and they were like, how do we make sure Cleo Mack does not wreck this game? And they came up with a great game plan to do that. And this is, this is a throwback to last year. You know, they did that against Von. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a different game plan. This wasn't quite to the effect that it was against Von Miller in 2017, but still, I think, a similar idea. And so I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. Now, did you – what was Mac's uh, propensity to go right side, left side? Did he? Was it a pretty even split? I did not chart it, but I, I mean I – Yeah, I an- anecdotally. Did, but I didn't count it up, but I have – yeah, I have like multiple – you know, it seems pretty even here. I wrote down a bunch of Johnson one-on-one, Peters one-on-one, Johnson, Brooks, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, he was definitely uh, going back and forth quite a bit. And it didn't feel like it didn't feel like they were sending more help when he was versus Peters than than versus Lane necessarily. That's a good question. I, I know there are definitely examples of Kelsey going to both sides. So, OK, yeah, I, I don't have an answer for you on that, okay. that one. Um, OK, that's good. What else? What else jumped out to you? 
Oh, by the way, speaking because you had mentioned the screens, I you know uh, I think Doug was I saw getting killed a little bit for the screen to Smallwood in the shadow of the end zone. I mean that would have been a big play if he hadn't just run right into the the defender. Yes, I think he was going where it was sort of designed. It seemed like, but if he would have looked up and seen where the defender was, yeah, that definitely could have been a big play. Yeah. We also it did, is a strange okay. place to call a screen, I guess, but, yeah, but I that's, like that's the best time to call a screen when they don't expect it. There you go. Uh, another thing that stood out, just Alshon Jeffrey, they isolated him quite a bit, and we're just like, go win your matchup, and it's so clear how much Foles trusts him. I mean, there were a lot of throws in this game where Chris Collinsworth was making like the basketball references. I don't know if you watched the TV copy I did not. or not, but you know, he's like, Oh, you know, he's just throwing it up there. And there were many of those where there weren't a lot of separation and it's just, Hey, our guy's bigger than your guy go up and get it. And Alshon Jeffrey did that uh, brilliantly. And they went to that early in the game and then throughout the game where it's just him on a one-on-one making a catch. And the numbers are, are pretty nuts. Foles to Jeffrey on the season, including the playoff game. Now 22 for 27, for 383 yards and a tutty. Mm. 14.2 yards per attempt. Five explosive plays. And so uh, Alshon Jeffrey is playing fantastic. Nick Foles trusts him. The chemistry is there. We're not at the Saints game. We're not talking about the Saints game yet, but I can tell you right now, I mean, I I think Jeffrey has to have a monster game uh, on Sunday for the Eagles to be competitive and uh, and even win that game. Eh. I mean, they've got other guys. Too much Alshon. Too much Alshon. Uh, the personnel groupings were interesting. You know, we thought they were going to go with a lot of 12 personnel. Very interesting, I thought. Yeah, they went with 11 personnel on 62.5% of the snaps. They were terrible running out of 11 personnel. 13 carries for 16 yards. They were pretty good Oof. passing. 7.3 net yards uh, per pass play. And then they were in 12 personnel. of the snaps. I mean, they didn't run it much better. Nine carries for 27 yards, and they were terrible passing. And as a reference, they were in 12 personnel about 45% of the time over the last three games of the regular season. Yeah, and and so they averaged 3.7 yards per pass play, uh, throwing at a 12 personnel. So I I don't really know what to make of it. I mean... That was surprising. It was not what we were expecting going into the game. Yeah, I mean, you want to see more of Dallas Goddard, for sure. Every time he's in there, it seems like he's doing something very positive. He's not a liability at all in terms of a blocker. In fact, he's very good. That seems to already be a strength of his. And so I would think you would want to get him on the field with Ertz quite a bit. But at the same time, Golden Tate made plays in this game. Nelson Aguilar made plays in this game. And so I guess it's uh, it's just kind of kind of be a mix. And depending on what the defense is doing, figure it out. Yeah, that was interesting. And then on the Goddard touchdown, it was 11 personnel. Goddard in, no Ertz. Yeah, that was interesting. I wonder why that was. Probably to mess up the defense. They thought, Maybe. They thought they, it wasn't, there was no way it was going to him if Ertz wasn't on the field. I mean, generally speaking, the few times they have gone 11 personnel with Goddard, not Ertz. It's sort of a tell for a, a run. So I'm sure they were going against type. Yes, I wonder if there's a way to look that up because uh, I, I feel the same way. We've called that out from the press box multiple times. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, 11 personnel with Goddard. Of course, this is going to be a run, and it feels like anecdotally most of the time it has been a run. So, Those were my offensive notes. Okay. 
defensively, I guess the biggest thing was also sort of the personnel groupings. They're in what you like to call the big dime, yep. where it's uh, six I, defensive I, backs. Yeah, that was but the, with that, three they played that all, almost the whole game. Well, yeah, 40, 40 snaps. Yeah. And so, you know what stuck out? This is sort of a big picture thing, but how different the team is overall from the one that played the Saints the first time, you know, and not right. just personnel-wise. Like, offensively, your style is this get the ball out, don't take sacks, efficient passing offense. And maybe they're trying to be that. I don't, I don't know, the first time, but they certainly weren't very good at it, and now they're much better at it. And then defensively, you know, in that first game, I think I looked it up. I think they played six snaps of dime against the Saints. And, yeah, six six snaps yeah, of dime. Yeah, of course, that league. was, you know, they had Back uh, Sidney Jones left the game. Avante Maddox left the game. They were playing Chandon Sullivan and Devontae Bowes. Sorry, Devontae Bowesby on the outside. Yes. So I feel like. The Saints personnel would say, hey, go ahead and stick with playing uh, this personnel package quite a bit as your most common one, but we'll we'll see sort of throughout the week if that's going to be the case. And then on Sunday, uh, I didn't think their Eagles pass rush was great in this game. Now, part of that is probably rushing with discipline and making sure Trubisky doesn't have lanes uh, to run and do damage with his feet. But uh, I definitely, you know, if you would have told me that that was the defensive line performance you were going to get, mm. and then you were going to turn it over twice, and Trubisky was going to go throw for three hundred, like I would have, as we discussed after the game, I would have definitely thought you got blown out. But uh, it was not the dominant defensive line performance that I thought they needed, and certainly they'll have to be better, I think, uh, against the Saints. Makes Nigel sense. Bra- Nigel Bradham was. Unbelievable, and I mean, we talked about it after the game, but I can't believe he said he didn't think it was like a great game for him. Right? He was. I mean, I think it was the. I think this isn't probably a high bar to clear, but it was the best performance by an Eagles linebacker all year. I, I don't, you know, I don't think oh, it's that's a, a good. That's a good way to frame it. Yeah. Yeah, he. I mean, he was all over the place. How many times during the season did we say the linebackers are okay, but they're not making any plays? Right. It, it felt like every series in this game. He was doing something. He spied Mitchell Trubisky, and I don't know if he's done this a lot. I can't remember a lot of games where he's done it, but like he was really good at this. Mm. I, I mean, he was following Trubisky's eyes, and he wasn't being over aggressive, and he was waiting till Trubisky left to run, or he, he got in the passing lane early on and had that batted pass. He had another one where he chased him down, forced an incompletion. They had a really good plan for how to make sure Trubisky wasn't going to hurt them with his legs. And, of course, Trubisky got, you know, suffered a little bit of an injury. We don't know how severe it was, True. so that could have played a role as well. But, uh, yeah, I thought Nigel Bradham was fantastic in this game. Let's see. What else do I got here? Uh, yards after the catch. They have been – That's a good That's a good point. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah anecdotally, they've been very good – Yards, it feels like they're tackling better. And so I looked up the numbers. They allowed, where did I write this? They allowed 75 total yards after the catch. Where do you, where do you think that ranks among their totals for the entire season? Mm. Actually, that doesn't sound that good. 75 yards after the catch? Uh, I guess so. No, that's good. Okay. Top, Think of how uh, many throws well, there are. I, mean, I know. I was gonna, well, I was going to say, just the way you're framing it and watching the game, I would have guessed, like, you know, top three. But 
I guess it doesn't. I don't know. I guess that's true. There's a lot of completions in a football game. Yeah, I mean, the better stat is probably yards after the catch per reception, which yeah. I can look up, but I didn't do that here. Uh, do you have a guess or not? Second. Third. Okay. What's interesting to me, though, cool. is that their three best totals have come in their last three games. Well, I mean, it does feel like they are, they are all rallying to the ball and tackling better. That, I mean, just the eye test tells you that, right? Yeah, and it's specifically, I feel like the defensive backs – whether it's runs to the perimeter or throws underneath, you know, Craven LeBlanc in the, I think it was the fourth quarter, the Bears had like a, a little shallow crosser to Adam Shaheen, I want to say. And it was like LeBlanc versus Shaheen. I think it was a third down. And if he doesn't make that tackle, it's a, I'm pretty sure Shaheen gets the first it down. Was a big and, play in the game. You remember that one? Yeah, I don't yeah. think we didn't talk about that after the game, did we? No. Yeah, that was a that was a big play, and on film you're like, whoa, there's a lot of open space there. Where if he doesn't make that play, uh, it's a big gainer, and so that one really stuck out. But he tackled well throughout. Rasul Douglas is just like dropping people <laughs> in front of him consistently, and you know he didn't he barely gave up anything in that game. The big plays obviously were to uh, Avante Maddox's side. I, it, it was pretty clear the Bears saw Maddox as being aggressive early. He had the near interception. Mm-hmm. He had another play, and they said, let's get him on a double move, and they did a good job of that uh, with the one explosive play they got. The other one, you know, remember the, the fake bubble screen, and then they, you know, they yes. were, the two guys released? I think that might have been on LeBlanc more than Maddox. Okay. They, ran, they ran two guys vertical. I'm not positive. I think the guy on the outside was LeBlanc's, but since Maddox had just sort of was the first one back there, it looked Right. Like it was on him. I could be wrong there, but that, that was sort of my read on it. So uh, that was that. And then the other explosive play was, I think, just a mental error by Avante Maddox on that last drive. On the last drive. He's got, yeah, he's got to sink back um, and not worry about the, the sort of throw to the flat. So and that was a nice were, throw. It was a nice throw. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice throw in between uh, defenders. He did get back there, but just not in time. So. I, I didn't watch this, and I wasn't, like, concerned about Avante Maddox. He actually made several very nice plays in the first half, but certainly he's going to be tested, especially on those double moves uh, against the Saints. Okay. Would you – this brings to mind the uh, question that has been bandied, bandied about. Would you rather have this Eagles secondary or the Week 1 Eagles secondary? Obviously, mm-hmm. Jenkins is a wash. You've Jenkins, got, by the way, Jenkins, by the way, was fantastic in this game. Took Curry Cohen out of the game. Now, what he so was playing, he was playing uh, because they were in so many three safety packages. He was essentially a linebacker, right? Yeah, but it's 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 like Jim Schwartz said today. Like he can't play that package unless Jenkins is able to do that. Right. Uh, so it's probably underrated what uh, impact he's had on the defense. And yeah, I, I would expect him to get another shot at. Uh, Alvin Kamara mm-hmm. on Sunday. Got toasted for a big big play. Uh, that was what caused him to give Sean Payton the middle finger. Flip the bird, as some might say on this podcast. They might say that. Uh, so, would you rather have Avante Maddox, Rasul Douglas, Cravon LeBlanc, Corey Graham, and Trey Sullivan? Or Jalen Mills, Sidney Jones, Ronald Darby, Rodney McLeod, and Corey Graham? All right, so Graham's a wash. Well, no, because it's not Graham versus Graham. It's 
Graham versus McLeod, and then Graham versus Sullivan. Okay. You know what I mean? Kind of. I think Avante Maddox, if he were, like, if you took the whole group, he would be a starting cornerback. Right? I mean, that seems obvious. I don't know. Does it? I, I think so. I don't know. I think he would be the nickel. Uh, no, I disagree. Oh, okay. I would rather have Maddox, LeBlanc, and then whoever else you want to give me as the three corners. I'm trying to think this out. Over Darby. Well, well, let's. Yeah, well, I mean, say everybody was healthy. What would your? What would your? What, what secondary would you want? Okay. All right. That's good. Is it fair to say Sidney Jones is healthy though? I mean, I don't know. Just feel like that's the thing with him, right? So if Sidney right, Jones, if Sidney Jones was, if it was, if he was as healthy as he was week one, okay. I mean, I he would not be in my secondary right now. He would not be in my my starting nickel defense. All right, Jenkins and McLeod are your safeties. That's obvious. Yes. I would want Maddox as one of my outside corners. My nickel. See, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I wouldn't say that LeBlanc has definitely been better than Sidney Jones. I actually think their numbers against slot receivers were pretty good when Sidney Jones was playing, and overall, their numbers against slot receivers have not been bad all season. But you know what? I like going with the uh, the guy with a little edge. You know. Not not the high draft pick. The guy who's fighting for his life in the NFL. Okay. Who could, so I'll go with LeBlanc in the nickel. In the other corner, I think I would probably go with Mills. Is that crazy? I don't know. You know I think I would Darby go. Guy. I think I would go Mills and Rasul on the outside, and really? and Maddox in the awesome. slot. Interesting. And I'll tell you why, because I think I think those those are the two best tacklers. And I think this I think this defense when they're playing like w- when they're playing their best football right now, it's because they are they are tackling well. They're going to get and all of those guys are going to give up plays. None of them is yeah. a shutdown corner. Um I would rather have I would rather have guys who are limiting the damage, I think. Okay. Well, Darby is the worst tackler among the group. There's right. no doubt about that. So I think that's why, yeah, I agree with you. That's why we both want him out of there. I mean, sure, you can cover, but he doesn't cover well enough. He, to... Yeah, he has the best recovery of them all because he's the fastest. But, um, yeah, he's... I mean, he, pro- he, he probably is the best pure cover. Like, if you just did, you know, right. hey, we're not playing a real game. You just have to cover this really good receiver one-on-one. Like, he would be the best at that. But I that's, that's not right. the game. So, um yeah, I feel like he hurts you too much in the other areas to make up for the gap with his coverage ability. Maybe we're crazy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like... I'd like to. I, uh, maybe there's somebody smarter with a different opinion, but uh, that's. I think that's how I would do it. Okay. Tell us your. Uh, tell us your what your healthy starting secondary would be. Hashtag healthy secondary. Oh, I thought you were telling me. I'm like, I just told you what it was. No, the listeners. Okay, the listeners. Well, you know what? It, it does add an interesting wrinkle. If I mean, I know no one is ready to look ahead to 2019, mm-hmm. the 2019 season. 
But it does add a, a little bit of a wrinkle to that. Darby is a free agent. So you, you have, the guys you have under contract are Jones, Douglas, Mills, Maddox. What's Le, LeBlanc? Is I, think just he's here signed, for... I think he's signed through next year. Oh, you do? I'm not 100% oh. sure about that. Okay. Well, hold on. Let's, let's find out. Well, you know, we were, I was thinking, and I think you were thinking too, that, hey, maybe they bring Darby back on a one-year deal. Right. There was that weird Instagram post that one time. Yeah. Right? You know, what was that about? I don't know what that was about. <laughs> so there was that, this, what was it, Camus telling Darby, yeah. like, dinner's on you or something. And so yeah. people thought that maybe Darby got signed. But unless that happened under the table or if there's some agreement that's going to be announced at a later date, that's not the case. But Maybe he got a I big mean, insurance payout. Maybe, maybe. It's, I mean, it's still a low risk. I would. Darby's probably going to have to sign. I would think a short term deal somewhere. But LeBlanc is signed through next year. Oh, that's interesting. For seven for seven hundred twenty thousand dollars. So he's not going oh, anywhere. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's a. I guess it's a rookie deal. They claimed him off waivers. So. Okay. I mean, he's not perfect, you know, and we'll see what he does against the Saints, but I do like his... Uh, well, I mean, no offense, but he's certainly a better, you know, depth option than your boy. Yes. Oh, if LeBlanc would have been playing in OTAs, who knows what... <laughs> I might have been going crazy for him. Well, that's probably right. <laughs> um, okay, so that's interesting. All right, so that's the, the secondary. Uh, how about uh, Jim Schwartz said... What did he say? LeBlanc's like saved the season? <laughs> he said something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. He's, he's like, I said before, Avante Maddox saved the season. Same thing about Craven LeBlanc. He gave Joe Douglas uh, a little shout out there. Well, and not just Joe Douglas, but the, uh, the peons scout. working in, in windowless rooms. Yeah. He, he couldn't give the name the name of a scout. He might have gotten in trouble. I yeah. Guess. Or, or, you know, he, you don't want to name one and not name them all. That's true. He said, here's what he said, that might have been the key to our season, putting the waiver claim in on, I had never, I had never heard of Craven LeBlanc before, and they brought him in and said, hey, we're thinking about claiming this guy, and it was right before the Saints game last time, and we were able to click him in, but he had his times also, it wasn't all, oh yeah, oh, he's talking about uh, Tariq Cohen, but yeah, so that's what he says. Yeah, that, that, that uh, was interesting, but the I The key I to the season. Remember. Did we talk about this after the game, sort of the in-season additions they've made who played such a big role in that game? I don't think we did, but that is certainly true. Trayvon, Trayvon Hester. Trayvon and Trayvon, which, and that was my favorite part of it. It didn't really necessarily come through on the uh, transcript, but uh, one of my favorite parts was that Zach Ertz was told that Craven blocked the uh, parking right. kick, yeah. and I had to explain to him that it was Trayvon, and he was like <laughs> looking at me like I was crazy, or maybe he didn't know who Trayvon was. And, uh, like, no, it, it could was, be it. Uh, Trayvon, not Craven. Uh, your boy Golden Tate? Eh, I guess. Comes through with the game-winning toddy? They probably would have already scored on that drive if it wasn't all for Golden right, Tate. All right, all uh, right. Am I missing somebody? I feel like there's another person. Maybe not. Uh, Jordan Matthews drew a pass interference. That's true. Yeah, that was a big play. That was a big play. Okay, well, those are four guys right there. I think that's it. Explosive play, game-winning TD, overall strong play in the nickel, and then the blocked field goal. 
That's right. Now, did you think that uh, that Jim Schwartz was sandbagging me when I asked him about how the uh, the defense had the, its highest blitz percentage against the Saints, and he uh, he acted like I was insane? I don't know. I haven't seen the numbers, and I don't remember. Well, Sport Radar, that is what it says, is that okay. they, they were 31%. It was the only time over 30. I, I had remembered it from last week, and then I went back to look because he made me seem like I was going crazy, but I wasn't. <laughs> So, well, it could also be you know he gets uh, he gets upset when a green dog sure. where the where the linebacker only blitzes because the running back is staying into block, so it's not like he's calling a blitz, but it still counts as one because it's more than four rushers. He gets upset at that. Maybe that's it, or maybe he was uh, sandbagging you. I think he was trying to throw off the scent of whatever their their plans are this week. Could be. I'm gonna now I'm gonna now look up the. Uh transcript from after the Saints game to see if he talked about it then. Maybe. Okay. Uh, Tim Jer- Go ahead. Tim Jernigan, I thought, had a couple nice moments in this game. Oh, okay. One of the first times. I mean, he wasn't consistently tearing it up or anything, but there were like two plays where uh, I felt like he did some things. Jim Schwartz said he not only brings us what he brings us on the field, but he brings us a spirit, which we miss when he's not out there. So that was interesting. That was interesting. I like, you know, there were some fun uh, pictures of, of Jernigan in the locker room after the game. Yes. Okay. I couldn't find anything in the transcript. Okay. All right. Those are all my notes. Okay. Anything else from the coordinators? Mike Grow. We found nope. out that uh, the fake Philly special was called London special. That was a good question by you. Yes, that was interesting. That was nice. Uh, oh, and that, and that it came out of the run division, so Grow wasn't even involved, which I think is interesting that uh, they really do separate the, uh, the run in the past. So that means that, you know, it came from Deuce Staley and uh, Jeff Stoutland. That's right. That's all. Okay. All right, you want to get to these questions? Sure. Why don't we talk about your coach rules? Okay. You know, you had one, at one point, uh, I think you were thinking about making a story out of this bad boy. Wow, I got lazy. Huge surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it was much easier to just <laughs> type them out real quick and tweet them out. That's good. Uh, let me pull them up. Do you have them in front of you? Yeah. Okay, why don't you, why don't you read them off? You want me to read all of this? You can, if you want to, you, uh, you know, I'll pare them down, but you, can, you should read what the five are. All right, number one is what we've, ta- we've talked about before, lean towards an offensive coach, because if you hire a defensive coach or the CEO type, and that guy hires a great offensive coordinator, that offensive coordinator is going to get poached quickly, and so it'll be hard. You'll, you'll be constantly sort of replacing that guy. It will be tough to sustain success. So I don't think that's a hard and fast rule. But I think that's where I would lean, is towards an offensive coach. I know you feel the same way. Yes. Point number two was to basically hire someone who people like. It sounds crazy, but how many of these coaches are very unlikable? So, you know, you can describe this in many ways. Don't hire Adam Gase. One would be uh, great leadership skills, but, you know, just someone who expect things to go badly. And think about right. it. And I think, think that's a, I think that is a good way to frame it. Yeah, think about it. When things are, go badly, because they are going to go badly at some point, will the players 
Will the people in the organization, the front office, the assistant coaches, everyone in the building say, you know, feel like defending this person? Will they say, we believe in this person. Uh, it's not him. It's us. We got to, you know, that, that kind of thing. I think that's important. And also, you know, PR shouldn't be the most important thing, obviously. But if you're worried about PR, we see it time and again that the coach that's likable is going to get the benefit of the doubt more than the guy who seems like a complete jerk. I mean, they, well, unlikable as you pointed out, being authentic. You know. Yes. Yeah. Not a phony. And so. Yeah, I think it's, it's a good way to think about it. It, it. When who is somebody that when you lose three games in a row, people are still going to be on his side. Yes. Yeah. And if they can demonstrate that they've gone through some adversity and led led a team or something out of it, then that even the better. Okay, so that's two. Uh, number three is the most obvious. If the coach says flip the field or manageable third downs during his interview, get him the hell out of there. There's no doubt about that. Although, you know, how do you – does that mean that when Doug said flip the field in his press conference, you would have walked down and fired him on the spot? No, this is during the interview process. During the interview process, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number four – But that's also – I mean, that is a stand-in for any type of uh, thinking that is the way that a game should be played. It's Garbanzo Beans. Yeah. It is uh, Trashita Jones. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you been sitting on that one? I think that it occurred to me months ago, and then I just remembered it. Okay. Number four, demonstrate – a person who's willing to listen to new ideas. Now, I kind of hate this one because it's like, duh, every, you know, everybody says they're willing to listen to new right. ideas. But as we know, that's not the case with a lot of these guys. And so make the person you know, offer examples during the interview process. Try to get a real feel for that beyond the person saying, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm willing to listen to new ideas, that kind of thing. Because I, you know, this is the sort of Andy Reid thing we talked about with Coach Flynn. The guy has just totally changed his – offensive scheme and philo- maybe not philosophy, but offensive scheme and been able to adapt and been ahead of the curve and all those different types of things. And we see it here, whether it's Jim Schwartz listening to Malcolm Jenkins, whether it's Doug Peterson listening to Nick Foles, whether it's the coaches on staff feeling like they have a real say in what's going on. Those are all signs of a good culture. And you should be looking for a coach who's able to sort of nurture that and encourage that Again, in an authentic way, not just saying it. It did. It did. Uh, that particular one stood out to me today in that I would consider. I know we talked about this before, but even though he's a defensive guy, I would consider Jim Schwartz as a head coach. He does seem like he buys into that one. I mean, he was asked about listening to Malcolm Jenkins, and I mean, his answer was basically like. Right. That guy knows a lot. It's and there not, were, I mean, and there know. are, and it's not just, you know, lip service. There are tangible examples of, yes, of him any. actually listening and changing things mid game because of things like that. Just earlier this season yes. against uh, the Giants, right? Correct. Yeah. That was four. And then five was cast a wide net. And this is something. This one I, is so important. It's like. Yeah. I think the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles definitely did this with. I feel like I feel like like every even every every search they do not interview enough people. Like they being the Eagles or any team. What's the downside of of interviewing a few other guys like guys that you 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 have no experience with? I mean, because think about it. These coaches are coming in. They've got to bring their best stuff to the table. I mean, 
they're working as hard as they can to impress you with their mm-hmm. best ideas and all that. So even if you're not going to hire them, interview them. You know, yeah. take them out to a, to a dinner, steal some ideas. Who knows? Maybe you'll cross paths with this person down the line even. You know, that that's what they do during the draft process, right? right. How many times do we hear, oh, that's well, you know, we, we brought in these guys for visits or we went to their school or we talked to them at the combine even though they're in no position to draft the player or it's not a position of need because maybe two years from now that guy's career hasn't gone the way he envisioned it. He's out there looking for a new team. You remember meeting him and you had a feeling one way or another. Like It's the same thing. It's more important uh, with coaches. And as we've discussed, it could be a position coach at a college team that went six and six, who's a fantastic coach, who doesn't have the talent, who doesn't have the resources, but really wows you during the interview. Again, maybe you're not going to hire that guy on the spot. Maybe you are willing to take a risk. But It could be a wide receivers coach at a, a local FCF school. That's right. It could be with a, you know, strong... Uh, Love for deep dish pizza. Yeah, no, yeah, pizza opinions don't necessarily mean you're <laughs> going to be a, a bad head coach. Maybe there's a maybe there's an inverse uh, thing there. I mean, there's nothing I hate more than let's hire the coordinator of the team that went to the Super Bowl. Ugh. Yeah, it's terrible. And I'm or like let's hire a Bill Belichick coordinator. Yeah. So, so those were my rules, and then I Real had a classy Atlanta of Josh kid. McDaniels today to uh, to bow out of uh, all head coaching interviews. What a fraud. <laughs> uh, and then I had the addition, if you can get any background on sort of their airplane etiquette. Ooh. I think Did you add that? Probably, I didn't see that. Yeah, I had to retweet myself and add that. If you can find out if this person has ever Ooh, that's good. tried to deplane when it's not his turn, whether this person has ever tried to swap his middle seat for yeah. an aisle or a window. You know, I whether think this you person can, has ever has ever complained about a crying baby. Yeah, I think the, I think those are all reclined his seat. Get me out of get out of here. I couldn't go that far. I, I mean, I'm against that, but there are I some I know. I mean, he's not going to be my head coach if he's reclining his seat, unless there's nobody behind him. But uh, maybe that's not as as much of a, a no deal. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's evidence that they tried to get off the plane before it was their turn, like I don't, I'm not even finishing the interview. Get that guy out of there. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's you know, it's 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 like uh, there's a little bit of that in like, you know, every time it, w- when guys go in for pre-draft visits, right? There's somebody who, uh, there's a, an employee who drives them from the airport, right. right, to the to the complex, and yes, they you know they relay everything about that ride. If the person is like you know is rude to the driver, that's that's going to be uh that's going to be a knock against him. I would crush it in that job. You would? Oh, I think I would be fantastic. Oh, in the job of in the job of judging people, being Airport the driver who judges. Guy. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, oh, I could give have a lot so of... much intel yeah. on this person. I would I have totally such agree. strong opinions after a 15-minute drive. Oh, like totally they wouldn't agree. have to do anything else. <laughs> I really How do, do I think that that, that could be a, that could be our that should be our consulting business, <laughs> sure. giving people rides and judging them. Oh yeah, that's so fun. What's more fun than judging people? That's great. That's a, that should be our job. Okay. 
All right, more on to the uh, the burden edge wises. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people passing on the uh, the deadspin note on uh, Rick Spielman, the Vikings GM, the very odd behavior that he takes part in. I missed in. this. I missed this. Fill me in. Well, according to the story by I believe it was Greg Bishop, uh, Rick Spielman, you know, was one of those going through what his routine is every Sunday morning before a game. Rick Spielman puts his socks and shoes on, and then his pants. How do you, you how do you do that? <laughs> I mean, it's a suit, so I guess it's a little bit looser at the bottom, but it's not like a like a what? pair of hipster tight jeans. But uh, that's psychopathic behavior. So many issues with this. First of all, so he's got a, he's got his tidy whities and shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know nope. if it's tidy whities. It could be boxers, I mean, but I did it for effect. But yeah, <laughs> so he's got he's got his yeah, undies on and then socks and shoes. Yeah. All right, that I mean, that's you know what's, ridiculous. You know what I think is the here's the craziest part of that whole process to me. I think the 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 most insane part of that process is when he must be tying his shoelaces with boxer with with no pants on. Oh yeah, he's, I mean, because he's, these are like he's nice shoes. He's bending. not just—he's not slotting on slippers here. Like, yeah, like what is that? You don't—it doesn't occur to you as you're as you're bending over to tie your shoelaces that maybe you should have some pants on, Rick. That is a very weird visual image, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the kind of decision making process that should disqualify him from being a general manager. Yeah, I mean, we are a like. What if you What if you found that out about somebody in an in an interview? Yeah, I don't think I could hire that person. No, in a decision making capacity, unless that you know, unless I was convinced that this person was brilliant, because you know the people who are like really brilliant, they do weird stuff. No, not necessarily. Sometimes, but as my fellow sports Indians know, you know, we are a shoes off household. Mm. So you come in, you take the shoes off, and so just, uh, I mean, from a... Like it would be a, funny if, if, he, if it, it would be funny if he is also a shoes-off household, and so he has to carry his pants downstairs, uh, you know, bring them <laughs> to the door with him, and then put the shoes on and then the pants. Yeah. I mean, but the bottom of the shoe is dirty. So you're, you're rubbing that through the inside of your... Correct. Pant. Correct. That's gross. <laughs> The whole thing. I mean, is... has this guy ever been to the urinal at at the link with these shoes on? <laughs> that's, that's disgusting. <laughs> he was allowed in the NFC Championship game last year. By the way, the I mean, the same thing at Soldier Field. The urinals, it's it's like three hours before pregame, and there's a <laughs> pool of urine under the urine. <laughs> I don't know what is going on with you people. It's not that hard. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. Okay. All right, so that all right that that is very strange behavior. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> Incredibly strange. I mean, I can't even wrap my head around that. Also, <laughs> like, come on, get. I mean, what, how baggy is this pant that he's wearing? Yeah, I mean, there's no it's way it's getting. Get, there's no way it's getting through unscathed. No. Oh, disgusting. It's bizarre. Yeah. What's the purpose of Think this? Think about how. Yeah. So how dirty? How dirty are like his shins? Because like. Oh. Like. His quadriceps are oh gosh. Well, his quads are on the back. They're not. I guess no yeah. hamstrings on the back. Quads on the front. Oh, yeah, you're right. Never question Doctor Shield again. <laughs> yeah, that one's gonna come back to bite me. 
Although I guess the pant, the back of the pant of the pant is also getting dirt as well. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Your shoe, your dirty shoe, it's dirty been all in day long. This, he must have the 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 filthiest lower body in the league belongs oh, to Rick Spielman. Oh, disgusting! All right, okay. uh, DD Milky, uh, what's a good title for a Sheila and Bo buddy cop movie? I'll have to I think feel of, like we get this one every week. I feel like I have to think about that one. Or it's more. I think it's more. Who would play? Us, yeah, so. who would play? So he's asking, what's, what would the title be? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'd have to think, have to think well, about that. Let's, why, why don't you give one of your hashtags for that one? Okay, how about... Uh, 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 hashtag... Uh, <laughs> this is going to be terrible. Birds with buddies. Oh, okay. Not bad. Good okay. job. You rallied. Okay. okay. Uh, better starting front seven. The Eagles this Sunday or the Eagles in the Super Bowl last year? Ooh, nice one. From John Doherty. Okay, so... So you've got... Uh, so, yeah, so last year you've got Vinnie Curry, Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, Tim Jernigan, Chris Long, Brandon Graham, uh, so basically, the differences are Vinnie Curry and Derek Barnett and Bo Allen versus Michael Bennett, Haloti Nada, mm. and I guess that's it, right? Because they're they're just playing fewer defensive ends. Trayvon Hester. Trayvon Hester, sure. Hester Prynne. That's a tough one because Bennett is the biggest impact player of the group you mentioned, right? Yeah. But they so were deeper last year. Right. But Bo Allen is definitely better than Haloti Nada. Yes. Derek Barnett helped. That's true. Barnett, I, I think last year's. Although he said front seven. So is he talking about oh, starting four in your linebackers? I guess that's true. Yeah, he did say front seven. And so, so that D- means last year there was no Jordan Hicks. Right. But really, that was okay. Who was it? Uh, Kendricks. Kendricks, okay, right. So, so Kendricks versus Hicks. I mean, Hicks is better. Yeah, I think I would probably go last year's. Give, give I you a think you could make a case that Fletcher down. Cox is playing at a slightly higher level this year, but. Brandon, uh, but are we allowed to do that? But Brandon Graham is also playing at a higher level last year. That's true. So I think that evens out. Yeah, I think I would go last year, but I it definitely highlights how it hasn't been the drop-off that uh, some expected. That's right. Is uh, Sidney Jones the Markel Fultz of the Eagles? I say no to this because the, the clear difference is that the Eagles knew what they were getting when they drafted Sidney Jones. They were, they were drafting someone who they knew was already injured. And now maybe you say the Sixers know that by drafting someone, that person will become injured. But uh, and there's also there's no I don't think there's as nearly as much mystery with Sidney Jones. That's the big thing. Yeah, he's also no not injury. he's also not as important to the the whole picture. Yeah, I don't think it's fair. I think that there's there's not the mystery. I mean, he's got like hamstring injuries. You know, it's it's not. Uh, we're not scratching our heads trying to figure out what happened. That's number one. Number two, I would probably say he's played. 
better than yeah, he's definitely yeah, I mean, he's, definitely. He's, He's shown more than Markel Fultz has shown when he's played. It was a second-round pick. He's not as important to the team. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of differences. Okay. Next up. Need to know if uh, Cravon LeBlanc has discovered Wawa and what his favorite item is. I would like to know that as well. Yeah, I don't know. Is there a joke in there? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think LeBlanc has just become a fan yeah. favorite because of really because of the story you wrote, the, the quotes you get from him. Perhaps. One can hope. He had, a, he had a great quote in your story. He did. Now, I, wanted, I do want to clarify that he said, he said, uh, he said miss this B word uh, as, as one of the things that he was thinking or saying to Cody Parkey before the kick. I want to clarify there is intentionally not a comma in there. He is not saying miss this. Cody Parker, you B word. He was saying, miss this B as in this kick, like miss this kick. Oh, I didn't think there was any confusion. Okay. That's all. Okay. That's when the punctuation matters. Sure. Uh, Robert Kelly says, can you say Nolens in every sentence of one of the pods this week? We've already lost that, but I think you owe Robert one. Nolens. Uh, more so likely to make an impact for the Eagles in the playoffs. This is a good one. Sidney Jones or Mike Wallace? Um, I'm going to say Mike Wallace. Yeah, I think... Um, I if, think... Sidney jo- if Sidney Jones were healthy this week, who would he play over? Well, that's the thing is I think it is more likely that, for instance, if, if, if the Eagles were to win this week and suffer an injury in the secondary, Sidney Jones would probably play the following week in some capacity, and he would play a starting role in the nickel defense. If um, Nelson Aguilar got hurt, Mike Wallace might play, but he wouldn't take on the same responsibility. It would, it would you know, Golden Tate would then become the base receiver. Whereas I also think it is more likely that if no one gets hurt, there is a bit role for Mike Wallace than there is a, in any kind of role for Sidney Jones. I don't know. I, I could see them just playing Jones instead of LeBlanc or Douglas, I guess. Maybe. Really? I don't, I don't think so. I think maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. I, I think that would be a mistake. Uh, All right. But yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a good one for you because I am, uh, I am only through eight episodes of Succession as much as I am enjoying it. Uh, from Treb Law, bigger horse's ass, Sean Payton or Kendall Roy? Hmm. Don't, don't, don't give any uh, spoilers. I know. I, I'll just say Kendall. Okay. Yeah. My, uh, my one, the only, uh, my, the only complaint that I have of the show so far, which we are loving, is that in episode seven, I believe, when uh, Kendall goes on a bender, he's too, he's too lucid when he, when, when he shows up. He's too, uh, he's too cogent. He's, I felt okay. like he should have been uh, more out of it. That's all. Maybe it wore off a little bit. Maybe. He had a car ride. Yeah, I guess. 
Okay. All right. From Capadia uh, Minion, Noah Becker. Do My you man. feel any responsibility for putting Wolf's whammy on mm. former Steelers running backs coach James Saxon? Now, of course, uh, James Saxon was given a head coaching job on this podcast last week and promptly fired by Mike Tomlin. <laughs> Uh, I don't take responsibility. I think that uh, this is a clear sign that Mike Tomlin is off his rocker. Mm. He's off the reservation. James Saxon will uh, will land on his feet and then uh, hopefully get a coaching job. I wonder if if DeFop Noah Becker switching from a minion to a Capadia crony has eliminated God curse. Now, what did he call it? He, I forget what he called it. He did tweet about this, but, you know, Jeff Stoutland, he, scheming it up against all these elite pass mm, rushers. Sure. His unit has been key. Dave Phipps' group comes up with the... I think, but this is all. this has all been already going. I think the Kapadia curse has not been as strong this year. Okay. I mean, he only switched sides less than a week ago. Okay. Well... Well, you're planning about writing about uh, one player this week, so we'll see if, how that guy plays That's on true. Sunday. That's true. That'll be a we'll nice see. test. We've we got a lot of work to do on that piece. so Maybe next. Yeah, maybe later. We'll yeah. see. Uh, Ross Cohen, if the Eagles make the Super Bowl, will you and Sheila agree to road trip to Atlanta and journal slash podcast it? Oh, man, that sounds kind of enticing. That does sound like good content. Also sounds like a recipe for disaster, but it's not. That's not that bad of a drive. How, how far is it? I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess uh, eight hours. Eight hours from here to Atlanta? That's You're my, crazy. You don't think it's that much? I thought you were better with this stuff. No, it's more. Oh, it's it's got to be like it's probably like twelve hours. 10 to 12 hours would be my guess. Here, I'm looking it up. Okay, hold on. Twelve hours. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Twelve hours. That was my guess. Eleven hours and thirty-five minutes if we left right now. Mm, I've got twelve hours, six minutes. Well, I'm You're further south, south of you. Uh, how did you? How did you think it was eight hours? You I went to school know. in North Carolina. I feel like you I just drive, I lumped drive. the whole southeast together. It should have, that was a bad job. I mean, I told you I'm tired. Okay. Well, we I'm not working on all cylinders here. We could potentially drive from here to Charlotte, visit your buddy's uh, brewery. Yep, resident culture. Hit it up if you're in Charlotte. Spend an evening there. And then uh, finish out the trip to Atlanta the next day. That doesn't sound that bad. Are you, are you going to commit to this? I don't know. If this, you know, I've had a lot of you. It's been a long season. <laughs> you're you're going to have had a lot of me by then, too. Yeah, that's going to be a long car ride. Although we would, we would be coming off of uh, a week of not doing it all podcasts because it'll be the, the week in between. So we would have to not talk that whole week. Sure. Well, I mean, there's nothing. Uh, I'm happy to. I'm happy to do this road trip and you know put on an audio book. We can both be in our own minds. Uh, I don't trust you to do that. 
<laughs> I will. I'll tell you what. I thought you were going to be more against this than you are. Well, here's the issue. We we both have leased cars. Whose car would we take? Oh, we, we rent, rent a, car. a car. We rent a car. Isn't that going to be pricey? We're renting a car. All it's this cheaper than a flight. A hotel, really? Oh yeah. Might come out fairly even. Well, we fly back. We take a, we take a one way rental car. But that airport to airport. A lot is, when you're no, returning, no, the, it doesn't no? cost anything. You find it if you do airport to airport. It's not a bad. It's not bad. What kind of car would we rent? Well, that that depends. I could get us uh, Emerald Club <laughs> National. Ooh, I'm an Avis guy. Are you part of the thing? Yeah. Okay. Well, I will see who gets a better deal. I'll commit to it. If the Eagles make the Super Bowl, we're driving to Atlanta. Oh, I'm supposed to respond? Yeah. You're in. All right. I'll do it. Okay. Is it really going to make for great content, though? What's going to be the great content? We'll have to podcast as we drive. It's, I don't think that's possible. No Wi-Fi. It's possible. We don't need Wi-Fi. We have the thing. Yeah. All right. Who's going to drive? We've got to put both our names in. Okay. I think we both like to drive. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I would much rather have, drive, but... Me too. We would have to have a very structured, you know, <laughs> two right. hours on, two hours you're off. You're right. You're right. I'd have to be doing a lot of fake sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll think about it. Okay. I like that. Uh, Ryan Jones, where does the Michael Bennett trade rank among Howie's moves all time? It's tough to... Uh, put it in context of all of his moves are you there i i heard the beginning okay. where does the michael bennett trade rank among howie roseman moves is that yes it? yes okay i like that you think i just quit the podcast there by the way well there was a there was a bit of an audio <laughs> glitch i thought okay uh there was um i don't know it's tough to say all time um i don't feel like it's an all-time move no, I mean, you also have to say, like, you know, like drafting Fletcher Cox is a better move. Um, Signing Brandon Brooks is a better move. Yes. Signing Malcolm Jenkins, although who knows whether that is more of a chip move or a Howie move. Um, you know what would be a good story for this week is the when we were both not on the beat, the almost trading Malcolm Jenkins back to New Orleans mm. for Brandon Cooks. Remember that story? Yeah. Yeah, we weren't here for that, but my understanding is that they didn't deny it, right? right? Boy, what a terrible move that would have been. Franchise altering oh move. Right yeah, that would have been terrible. You don't win the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> you definitely. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Oh, man. What a great what if. I think it was his best move of this year, we can say. Yes, I think that's right. Yeah. Imagine a Ben McAdoo coach team without <laughs> Jenkins and with, with Brandon Cooks. Now, that is an alternate reality right there. I mean, Howie Roseman is probably not the GM anymore. That's, that's the truth. Well, that's interesting. Sometimes you get lucky. Yeah. Um, on your list, I said number six was find out what their hair care routine is. And uh, Matt Wilcox wants to know how that applies to bald coaching candidates. Mm. I think you still want to know. 
I don't know that I'm that worried about it. Okay. I kind of, you know, I do appreciate that it's a big thing for Doug Peterson hiring the guys with the good hair. But I, I, I like a weird-looking coach once in a while. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to judge a book by its cover. I was really only doing it as a joke about uh, uh, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury and your boy Spiky Hair McVeigh. Right. What did your you make boy. of the hires today? Well, Cliff Kingsbury to Arizona, Matt LaFleur to the Packers, and Bruce Arians to Tampa. The Bruce Arians one, I think I was telling you, I, I kind of love that one. Well, it's a good fit. They already have the personnel to run his offense, especially if they bring back Deshaun. Um, yeah. The thing that I don't like about it is that it seems like it's a precondition of him taking the job that they're going to they're gonna keep Jameis, uh, and that is not what I would do. But, you know, I, I like Bruce Arians. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a short-term thing. You see if you can make anything out of this roster. It's insane likes- that Jason Lent gets to hire a head coach. It's, uh, yeah. You know, he like he likes to chuck it downfield. I do feel like there's don't get me wrong, it's it has not been a well run organization, but I do think because they've been losing so much, there is talent on that team. Mm. And so that would have shocked me if Bruce Arians took them to the playoffs last next year. Oof. I don't think that's the craziest thing. I think that's pretty crazy. Maybe. I don't know. We but still have a whole off season. We'll but yeah. Uh, I, I yeah, I enjoy Bruce Arians. Uh LaFleur I don't like, although I mean, I don't like him because the offense they ran in Tennessee was so concussion uncle. But it's possible that that was, uh, you know, Mike Vrabel commanded uh, that they run that type of offense. But that's certainly not the guy that I would want to be hiring. And also, Marcus Mariota is not the guy who everyone thought he was going to be. So there's obvious limitations there now with multiple coordinators. But... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I were a Packer. I, I honestly don't know that much about Matt LaFleur. I'll have to read up on him, but it doesn't seem like a hire that would make me that excited if LaFleur, I were a... LaFleur, of course, French for the flower. If I were a Packers fan, but who knows? And then Kingsbury, I don't know. You know, Coach Flynn mentioned him, right, as one of the guys he likes in college in terms of a play caller. Yeah. It probably seems like it could be a... Stretch? I don't know, but it's it's not like there's a ton of great candidates. Probably, it is weird that he's fired from Texas Tech and then gets right. hired. And it's weird that he, the you know, and then the whole was with, five and seven with Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah, that's true. Good point. But uh, I, I think it, you know, it's a it's a it's a hire that I want to think is crazy because you know he did get fired from these jobs. And he's probably not qualified to be a head coach. But at the same time, you know, they're not really hiring him. To, who see? I guess we'll see what kind of staff he brings in. But they're hiring him because he's going to be calling plays for Josh Rosen. That's really the whole thing, right? So if he can, if he can get good things out of Josh Rosen, that's the most important thing. Also, those Texas Tech teams were still lighting it up offensively, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, Air, I mean, Arizona is a nice market, I feel like, to be a head coach, too. Yeah, that's a good point. So, we'll see. 
All right. Uh, all right. Let's. <laughs> I'm, uh, Is this I, over yet? I'm li- going through the questions and I'm laughing because there's one that says, uh, "Wait for me. Hold on a second. I have to take a squirt." Uh, by the way, commenter, do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. David G seven zero eight says, "Great Eagles pod." Then he le- leaves a four star review and of a five star. And says, I was going to give them three stars for the daily playoff pods. Too much material to listen to. But then I realized that we're undefeated since they started doing this. Keep it up. What is that? <laughs> what is that? That's brutal. Leave us a, you know, so if I don't get like five reviews that say we like the daily pods, you might not hear from me the rest of the week. Yeah. Okay. Chris wants to know, regardless of Foles' performance, if the Eagles beat the Saints and then they find out Wentz is 100%, do you think they start Wentz in the NFC Championship game? And if they don't start him, do you think they'd dress him or would they say he's still hurt? I don't see a scenario where Wentz plays this postseason if, unless Foles gets injured. I think that's probably correct. Do they dress him? I think if you win this week, you probably and, – and he's healthy enough. Yeah, I think you probably – I think if he's 100%, you probably you, – I mean, you sh- they certainly should. Does he need to be 100? Mm. I, I, it's I feel like if they get to the Super the Bowl, then he might be – yeah. I don't know. The NFC title game, wouldn't you want him – I guess so. Well, I know, but there's an, there's an extra two weeks. If I'm not worried about him suffering, if he's not at risk to further injure the back and he wants to do it, I would dress him as the backup for the NFC title game. I don't think it's that hard of a sell, right? You can say he's not 100%, but he's at a point where he can't do further damage. He wants to be out there with his team. We feel like he's a nice insurance policy in case Foles goes down, all those different types of things. Vic wants to know how mad were we when Doug called the coward's draw on third and nine and it worked. Yeah, I was mad. We were both we were both actually very angry. I don't know that we were mad that it worked. We're, I just don't like doing that. Yeah, we were mad that he called it. Yeah. Um, Ari Fishbane wants to know if uh, we've addressed on the podcast before that the Chiefs mascot's name is KC Wolf. I had no idea. Did you know that? I did know that. Uh, I mean, he spells wolf the wrong way, so that's fine. And he spells Casey the wrong way. And also, what does a wolf have to do with the Kansas City Chiefs? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. It's a dumb mascot. Okay. Um, Oh, this is a good one. If the Colts, if the FFRs beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl, who has a worse offseason? Doug, hearing about how Frank is the better coach, or Wentz, hearing about how Foles got the Eagles to two straight Super Bowls? Sorry, I wasn't listening. What was that again? Say the Colts beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Okay. Who has a worse offseason? Doug constantly hearing about how Frank is better or Wentz constantly hearing about how Foles got the Eagles to two straight Super Bowls? I think I think Wentz. I think so, too. Yeah. Doug's already got a Super Bowl. And a, a small part of him would be happy for Frank. And if he's if he's getting the Eagles to the Super Bowl with Foles again, that's true. I mean, 
Oh, this is an interesting poll. This is what sidetracked me by the WIP evening show. We haven't done Birds okay. with Friends Radio since before the Rams game. Should we bring it back tomorrow? Ooh. I mean, oh, my gosh. There are 329 votes. 66% say no. Wow. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna have to crush the listeners tomorrow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we'll have to check back on that one tomorrow. We're going to have to okay. go heel turn. Okay. Uh, Christian wants to know, related to the Rick Spielman discussion, do you do socks before pants or pants before socks? I do pants before socks. I usually do as well, uh, although I, I don't necessarily have anything against socks before pants. It's, really? It's not how I would like to do it, but... Well, are you a slipper man? Mm, not really. Okay. I'm a slipper man sometimes. If you're a slipper man, then you're not putting on the sock until you're departing the house. So you put on the pant, mm. you put on the slippers. Well, you don't wear it. Well, that, that, but you're also stipulating that you can't wear socks with slippers. Well, yeah, I'm not a uh, psychopath. Mm, okay. Socks with slippers? What's that? It's a possibility. You want to feel the comfort yeah. on your toes, the furry insides of a nice slipper. All right. I feel like we are running out of steam here, huh? I don't know. I, I'm very passionate about this topic. Okay. You wear the slippers, then you put on the socks right before you're going to leave. If you're not a slipper person, I can see doing the socks first. You want to have nice, nice warm feet inside. But I will never uh, be the one to extend this podcast, so... Yes. Good evening. Talk to everyone. Birds with Friends Radio tomorrow. I've got one last one for you. We're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna address all these leftover questions on the show on Thursday, but I have one last one for you. So, woodpecker, you rather woodpecker, you rather beat the Saints and lose to the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game, or would you rather just lose on Sunday? Who's this asking? A, a Eagles fan? Yes. Eagles fan mindset? Eagles fan mindset. I think you always want to get as far as possible. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think losing to Dallas would be worse. I think if you're the organization, you always want to get as far as possible. I think if you're a fan, that would be worse. Could add some extra juice to next year when you play them. Um... Maybe some off-season motivation. Maybe they talk some noise after that game. Plus, you get an extra game. We do they, have to uh, talk about what the Cardinals said in their press release about Kingsbury. Wait, we're doing something else. Yeah. You just told me that was it. I know, but it's too. We have to talk about this. Yeah, I know. I still have to. I have, I'm the one who has to edit the podcast and post it. Ugh. And I'm and I'm solo duty tomorrow morning. You, right, you, right. You, I understand. Quit this, your complaining. This is what they said in their in the in the Cardinals press release in the an NFC West team. Kingsbury is friends with Rams coach Sean McVay, the 32 year old offensive genius who has become the blueprint of many of the new coaching hires around the NFL. And McVay reached out to Kingsbury after Texas Tech let him go to see if Kingsbury wanted to join the Rams staff for the stretch run and postseason as an offensive consultant. 
<laughs> Wait, is that real? That's real. That's what the Cardinals put on their team <laughs> oh released press release. Offensive genius that what? Offensive what was the part of that? The offensive genius, the 32-year-old <laughs> offensive genius who has become the blueprint of many of the new <laughs> coaching hires around the NFL. Oh my god, these teams, what are they doing? Is that the most pathetic thing you've ever heard? Nothing else would be discussed in this city if the Eagles did that. The offensive genius? And it's also like a tacit admission that you are just doing, making this hire because other teams are looking at similar people? Like, I mean, who cleared that? That's insane. The blueprint? Offensive genius. The word genius there is, is like, it, 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 it's, everyone should be fired. A line at the end that I don't know, but friends with like he, he hasn't worked with him, right? No, it just yeah, it just says is friends with. Like, what's the point of even including that? What do I care that they <laughs> you know go to Applebee's together? Have the same, what does uh, that have to do with the same hair product? That's weird. That's that's not weird. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. All right. All right. So that 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 hire is not. It doesn't seem like there might there might not have been a great process leading to uh, that I think, hire. I think that's right. I don't know how he'll do. Uh, any any like any process. like tepid uh, endorsement I had of that before uh, is now gone. I thought these were all jokes. People, you know, all these. It seemed like an overdone joke on Twitter that like, oh, you know, just hire whoever once hung out with Sean McVay on spring, you know, whatever. I thought those were all jokes. It seems like that was real for this case. I'm pretty sure that was real. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. We will be back with Birds with Friends Radio tomorrow night on WIP, whether uh, the listeners want us back or not. And then uh, back on Thursday with uh, our Sparrow Focuses and Friday with our predictions. For Shield, I'm Bo. And as always, we love you.